0: zoom is
1: on. Okay. All right. One, two, three. Oh, that was really bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ready? Okay.
1: One, two, three. (claps) Closer? (laughs) I think it was closer. But there may also be a lag in the phone. It'll be fine. I was gonna say, okay, I was like,
0: I don't think it, it's it's really that hard to mess up a clap. But hey, boo! <laughs> hey, boo! How's it going? Um, our hey, boo hiatus has ended, and it has brought me much joy. I know, it's been such a long hiatus, but we're back and ready to rumble. We're back, and as we were just discussing in our pre-boo chat, um, it's been almost a year. When's our anniversary? Um,
1: I mean, the inver- anniversary of, of our first recording would, was sometime in August. That was our, no it wasn't, it
0: was the end of July. Yeah, I thought it was late later July.
1: Yeah, so it was probably this week that we recorded our first episode.
0: Yeah, because we were in northern Manitoba. We were, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. We've been together for a year. Thank you, booze, for joining us. Mostly, again, our moms. It's lovely to <laughs> share this time with you. It's
1: been, <laughs> it's been great haunting you. Um.
0: Uh, okay, so business on my end is that you have been off on a wonderful adventure, and I've missed you so. Yes. Um,
1: do you and want you to have, tell her? Our- yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, we're basically evenly responsible for this hiatus, and my okay. part of the problem was that I was traveling across Europe, um, and meeting a bunch of different cats and stray dogs and <laughs> eating a lot of food and drinking a lot of wine that came out of plastic bottles. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, Italy.
1: <laughs> uh, that was actually in Greece. That was Greece. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and then I, that was five weeks and then I came back and then you had some fun.
0: Yeah, I moved, again, uh, um, so May, yeah, roughly, well, I mean, yours was the end of the month, but we were just jumping around, um, provinces and continents, so, mm-hmm. that was exciting, um, yeah, I'm in Alberta, um, for now, who knows what's next, but, uh, yeah, we moved, but we decided that, boo, aside from this brief hi- hiatus, and I'm, we're so sorry, uh, this will continue, despite the distance. Oh. <laughs> distance makes the heart go fonder that's what I'm saying it also makes me really look forward to our stories and our time together so yes um
1: we because we I don't know anything about your story I mean we don't normally know anything about each other's stories but we sort of see each other preparing
0: yes yeah and we sort of like give each other heads up on province location yes Uh, but this time yeah there's different countries and potentially continents so it's very exciting Mm -hmm. Um, very exciting The other scary thing is that usually (laughs) I can read Maggie's reactions, so, (laughs) (laughs) like, as you're telling this, like, oh, it's going to be a new experience where we're telling the story and I can't actually see how you're reacting to it, so I'm like, do I, do I build more suspense? Do I add more weirdness to this? Like, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, it's,
0: it, it's going to be great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can't see me here squatted in my closet, surrounded by blankets.
0: (laughs) And hopefully a Coke Zero. Water, <laughs> but Nutella. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah. Um, um I don't, I don't really have any other um, business aside from the fact that I, in my new job, had to write on a ghost walk, and uh, and it took everything in me not to sort of tell this person that I was an amateur ghost sleuth. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and so we, like, we were sort of talking about it, and she she was telling me about like some of the brief details. She didn't want to give anything away for potential ghost uh, tour attendees, but uh, but she was like, "Oh, have you heard of these stories?" And I'm like, "Not only have I heard of these, but like episode, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like I we had covered through <laughs> the stories. So it was so funny to try and be very chill in an interview about ghosts.
1: <laughs> that is amazing. Um. No. Um. My one piece of business is, is that I'm gonna move my foot because it's falling asleep. So to okay,
0: hear that? Yeah.
1: And then also, um, I think all of my business is is sort of contained within my story. Okay. My business is related to my story, so I'm gonna go second. So we'll I'll fill you in on that when we get when we get to my shiz.
0: Got it. Okay, perfect. Um, I've just moved my mic a little bit closer. um, Because as we know, I have a lower voice. And I'm also battling a cold. So here we go. Okay. Um, Do you want to go first? Second? Who went first last time? I went first last time. So it's Yotan. It's me! Okay. I was counting on going second, but it's fine. Um, Okay, so. This is called... The Frank something. Uh, I can't reveal it because the name uh, will give it away too early. So, Like the I'm Mr. Gonna Christie call it... story. Exactly, exactly. So it's just like the Frank scenario or fiasco. Frank fiasco, let's call it. Um, so, okay. What a surprise. Uh, Mo is going to tell a historic tale. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so the year is 1903. Uh, it's turn of the century. We're talking about a mining town called Frank, which I kind of love. I love when people name things after like middle-aged men. Um, <laughs> super cool. <laughs> they don't uh, get enough, those middle-aged men. That's what I'm saying. That's really, I wanted to even the score. So <laughs> I, I picked it for that. Um, so it was part of the Northwest Territories in the early 1900s. But if you look at the map, Frank is in Southern Alberta. So I, I thought I knew ge- <laughs> geography. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently the Northwest Territories was much more expansive than I thought. Um, yeah, so cartographers or geography buffs, like, feel free to phone in. Um, anyway, so it's in southern Alberta. It's a small town. Um, it's along the Canadian Pacific Railway Line, which was shocking, I'm sure, in that day and age. Um, Is <laughs> the main industry of most of Canada. Um, and you and I like CPR stories, evidently. Um, so. It's the
1: source of many hauntings
0: it is and we started on a train so like you know keep it consistent um, so frank is a small town that sits at the bay oh, i can read my writing uh, at the base of turtle mountain um, it's in the crows nest pass for anybody who's local if not it's just a fun name Um coal was discovered there like around 1900. Uh, apparently the town is named after some man named henry frank i love when people have like two first names as their full name uh, who who founded the place with someone called Samuel De Gebo. I don't know. Um, but anyway, they, they co-owned the Canadian-American Coal and Coke Company, which I think is just kind of a bad name. <laughs> coal and Coke? Like what? Like cocaine or uh, Coke Zero? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I have no idea. And again, historians, if you're ever listening to our podcast, I'm so sorry. I, I like, I figured... Probably not cocaine, right? It's spelled C-O-K-E.
1: But, because... This might be an urban legend, but I'm pretty sure this is true, so I'm just going to say it like it's fact. Um, that Coke used to have Coca-Cola. It was named such because it used to have a little bit of cocaine in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So it could be Coke. I mean, but like... what? Spell like that. But like, your business is coal and Coke?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's Alberta, am I right? I mean
0: alliteration is great, but okay. <laughs> I don't know if those two go hand in hand, but also I'm not overly familiar with industry in the nineteen hundreds. So, okay. Um so those jokers founded that weird company together. Um and they founded the town in September uh September tenth, nineteen oh one. Um, so when they founded the town there was a big founders party, uh with it said sporting events. <laughs> like super um so about 1400 people came from other towns on trains um so I envision that kind of like your wedding reception shuttles where people go to and fro from the hotel to the wedding reception event um so yeah the train like shuttled in other humans to party which I think is pretty awesome for the early 1900s um, yeah, so then, whatever, uh, it built up. By 1903, Frank had grown to about 600 permanent residents, um, had four hotels, a big schoolhouse, so it was bumping. Um, but, <laughs> as you know, our stories never end well. <laughs> if you've ever listened to this podcast before, you should know that, so I'm sorry, but I'm not. Get off this podcast if you think it's happy. Um, Okay. <laughs> So, early in the morning, April 29th, 1903, uh, a CPR freight train was pulling out of the mine uh, and heading towards the town of Frank when the crew reportedly heard a deafening rumble behind them. Um, So, the engineer floored it out of, I'm guessing, gripping fear, uh, and he headed towards uh, across the bridge and got to safety. So, at 4.10 a.m., April 29th, 1903, 82 million tons of limestone broke off of the peak of Turtle Mountain. No. Uh, yes. 82 million tons of limestone. <laughs> like, that's a whole lot. Uh, in case you're really into, again, geology, uh, the section that broke was 1,000 meters wide, uh, 1,300 uh, meters high, and 490 feet deep if you really wanted the metrics on that. Um, Anyway, we, so...
1: We love math.
0: We love math. So anyway, so it's a big whole lot of rock is the summation. Uh, so the witnesses of... Now I can reel the the, the Frank slide, as this event is called. Um, they said it took around 100 seconds for the slide to go from the top of that peak up to the peak of the other hill. So it was really fast. Um, and then the rock, uh, If you again, if you like math, which... Good for you. Uh, it traveled at about 112 kilometers per hour. And uh, this, this I found interesting. The sound was heard over 200 kilometers away. Uh, no so in, way. Yeah. So in Cochrane, Alberta, um, they heard it, which is yeah, over 200 kilometers north of Frank, which is
1: wow,
0: crazy. Um, so... Yeah, the <laughs> the initial reports were that the town completely disappeared, um, but it didn't, as I will uh, detail. Um, the cause was unknown in, initially, and this is one of my favorite things in the research. So, number one, people thought earthquake. Number two, volcanic eruption? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Without lava. We're just making stuff up. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then number three, explosion in the mine. Which, okay, fine, more logical. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, the toll but was... But why would there
1: be a mine at the top of the mountain? That
0: Well, that's exactly... I mean, I think because they were saying, like, explosion in the base of the mountain where the mine presumably was, and then maybe oh. they dug... Maybe it was, like, Lord of the Rings where, like, the dwarves dug too deep? Who knows? I, I'm i not a miner. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a miner, okay? <laughs> I make no claims. Um, anyways, so we're gonna get lots of hate mail on that, I'm sure. Anyways, okay, seven cottages... <laughs> Several businesses, um, the cemetery, the mine, and, uh, two kilometers of railway road were lost in the, the slide. Um,
1: and now we're going to- Oh, is the cemetery haunted? Is that the thing?
0: Nope. Just hang on. Um, this is like the, we're going to get into the death toll, which is kind of the worst part of this whole story. So a hundred people, so remember I told you at the start, like 600 people. So a hundred people lived in the direct pathway of the slide. Um, so they were like in between the river and the CPR, uh, tracks, um, just like right at the base there. Um, so it's estimated, they don't know the final death tally, but it's estimated that between 70 and 90 people died. Um, it was the deadliest landslide in Canadian history. Uh, it was also the largest until the Hope slide of 1965. Um, but the death toll could be higher. And this is Wikipedia language, not mine, um, because 50 transients were camped at the base. Um, uh, oh. yeah, they were people who would come in on the trains looking for work at the mine. So it could be somewhere between 70 and, uh, like I think upwards uh, to about 150 people who died. But again, because they were people who were a little bit more, uh, precarious in their living scenario, uh, they don't know the full tally. Um, so this is the truly haunting part of the story for me. Uh, the bodies, only 18 skeletons or bodies were ever recovered of what? those numbers. <laughs> yeah. So initially when the slide happened, only 12 bodies were found. Um, and then they found an additional six skeletons in 1924, uh, when road building crews were coming through Frank to yeah, extend the roadway. Um, and this is where, I'm so sorry for sharing the story, because no one will sleep again, uh, but the rest were entombed in the mountain.
1: Oh my god, that is horrifying.
0: Yep. <laughs> that's
1: like, that's like Pompeii! That's like the, I saw those while I was at Pompeii, the bodies that they have casts of that suffocated under all the ash, and now they're just rock, and they're just, crawling on the ground trying to escape that's fucking horrifying yeah
0: yeah no it's and what's truly scary is that they did like they lost count of where people were and again like the more transient population they didn't know the numbers for um yeah so we just don't know we do not know but those people are potentially all entombed in the mountain so awesome um during the slide uh 20 miners were working so at that hour early at like 4am um three died when they were outside and hit directly by the landslide Terrible. Um, I'm so sorry to those families. Historically, um, and then 17 were trapped underground, um, but this is this is more positive. They dug their way out uh, along a like a narrow tunnel or seam of coal, as they described it. Um, but it was really toxic because the coal was filling the air, obviously, and they were entombed. Um, and it was and people were becoming weaker. But those after 13 hours, those 17 guys managed to break out of the rubble um, and escape, which was really great.
1: Oh, um, it's like the Thai cave boys. Exactly. They just they just kept fighting.
0: Yes. Oh my god, that was such a news story this summer. What, Holy...
1: what a thrill, right? It's thrilling because they all lived. But just, except for the one diver, which was awful, but... But I, that was, no, it, no, it, yeah, it like was, that. no,
0: it was exactly. And like the way I found it very hard to not lose hours in the morning, looking at the maps and like how the divers were going to get them through the really narrow parts of the cave and like,
1: yeah. oh
0: God, people are amazing. Um, anyways, another positive, um, a train of 128 new miners, um, was expected the day before the slide. Um, it was from Morris CBC. Uh, but it was late and they didn't make their April 29th deadline. So those 128 oh. people, yeah, were very safe. Um, another interesting story, um, a guy named, gonna get this wrong, Sid Chuket uh, saw another passenger train just after the slide hit. So early in the morning, he saw another, the, the train I think was American, obviously coming from Spokane. It was called the Spokane Flyer. Um, and he saw the train coming towards the slide and they didn't see that the, the tracks had been buried in the rubble. Um, so obviously it would have derailed and potentially killed all those people. Um, so Sid ran two kilometers to warn the oncoming train of the danger. Um, and the CPR gave him a letter of commendation and of course it was 1900, which is, so don't get offended by this amount of money, um, but a $25 check for his heroism. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh my god oh <laughs> but how much is that in today's terms i
0: was too lazy to look that up but i will do it later um uh, but, but anyway that, that can't be more than like 500 bucks yeah that's not enough yeah. money no he he well i mean he and he ran and this is over like broken like landslide terrible ground filled with rubble probably full of glass and just like really dangerous mm-hmm. material he sprinted two kilometers <laughs> like and, well, probably for...
1: and also, nowadays, he would have had a GoFundMe, and he would have been able to live easy off the, the rest of his life.
0: 100%. So, God bless Sid. Um, I feel... And, like, my other thing, the letter of commendation, that's like a reference letter t- in today's terms, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he obviously lost his job at the mine, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. good job, Canadian Pacific Railway. <laughs> um... So the reason for the slide, I'm going to pretend I know some science for a minute. Um, it wasn't <laughs> a goddamn volcano, I will say that. Um, <laughs> with my limited science, could tell you that it probably wasn't a volcano. Um, but it was a, an unstable anticline formation. Um, so in layman's terms, basically a layer of the limestone that rested on the top of Turtle Mountain after years and years of erosion. Um, it became really top heavy and sort of like a steep cliff with lots of cracks and fissures at the base, uh, fissures, there we go at the base. Um, and so it just, yeah, it ended up like not being stable and it it collapsed. Uh, the thing I find really interesting is that the local indigenous peoples, um, so the Blackfoot and the Katana, I believe it's called, Tuna, it's got an X in there. I'm so sorry. Uh, Katana ha. Okay, I give up. Uh, but it's like it's the Blackfoot, the Kootenai, and then this other name that I'm trying to pronounce. Um, they had traditions that referred to the specific peak as the mountain that moves.
1: Well, what? So,
0: yeah. So these, yeah, local indigenous peoples knew that the mountain was moving <laughs> long before. Um, yeah, Turtle Mountain. That's yeah, that's what they referred to it as in their traditions, which I long think before is, um, white before white people decided to profit off of that, interesting. I love that you said what I was about to. exactly <laughs> <laughs> like way to go, miners. <laughs> um, and then this is this is my other thing though. The miners themselves noticed in the months before the slide that the in there was instability around the mountain, um, so they reported tremors and quote, a general squeeze. what? like, yeah. So, at certain mountain depths, um, the coal broke on its own from the seam, so it was said to, quote, have practically mined itself. I'm
1: just- What?
0: (laughs) I'm just gonna say, if you are in a mine that is practically mining itself, it's too good to be true, get out, get out. (laughs) Anyways, um, so that's, yeah, that was the reason for the slide, though. Erosion, blah, 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 and white people not listening to indigenous tradition. What a right. surprise. Um, so, clearly haunted now, because it's entombed potentially hundreds of people. Right. Um, people have seen apparitions floating around the rocks in the early hours of the morning. Sure.
1: Floating. <laughs> I <see> Interesting.
0: <laughs> I, I could see it. Um... There's uh okay this is this is my favorite uh so it's from unexploredmysteries.com the user's name is Knox on the wall
1: oh Jesus <laughs> yeah.
0: you know it's legitimate um so there's a report about a frank prostitute named Monty Lewis um this is the only person with like a specific name in their ghost lore that I found a lot of them are just more general you know apparitions and things but yeah Monty Lewis uh was apparently um, a local, yes, uh, lady of the night, uh, and she was killed with an ax by her lover after she refused to sell her jewelry to support his bad gambling habit.
1: Well, Which, good for her.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's a seemingly, to me, irrelevant ghost on the mountain, um, but Knox on the wall said that she wanders the rubble, uh, where her home used to be ahead of the slide. So she didn't die in the slide, but she had a house that got wiped away.
1: Oh, it's sort of like the lady in at the Alberta ho- Hotel who doesn't know that her room completely,
0: is gone. completely completely
1: <laughs> Just wandering so, yeah. around like where's my house? Yeah, like what is
0: Avid?" I think that's probably all the ghosts here. They're like what has happened here? Um so yeah, so anyway, Monty Lewis is kind of the famous, yeah, prostitute ghost, God bless her. Um, an archaeologist found remains, uh, around, in the 20th century, completely didn't give a date, helpful, um, tried to see, he tried to stay the night on the mountain, um, but he had to leave because a pickaxe-wielding ghost was stalking him. Why do, what is with the axes? Thank you, that was my question, is that what you use to mine coal? Must be.
1: I mean, I, a pickaxe, I guess that
0: would make sense, but... I I guess, again, I needed to Google more about coal mining, because why, yeah, why are these all, like, dwarves? Like, I again, I don't understand why they were wielding <laughs> axes, but... Alright, um... Anyways, uh, generally people on these fun websites I was on uh, believe the ghosts float around the rubble uh, looking for their loved ones, because they don't know the slide was so fast, and they died so quickly, that they don't really know what's happened. No... Yeah, yeah. Um, this one's also very creepy. People report seeing coal lanterns flicker on the mountain at night. Oh no, thank you. No thank you to flickering lights. I can do the ghost wielding a pickaxe, but I don't. I don't like the lights. <laughs> so
1: that could be people who you know camping on the mountain.
0: Do yeah, like these, camp on the mountain. I think so. I mean, apparently this archaeologist did, so I'm certain that other people probably do. Yeah. Right. Other dummies, um,
1: right? Because other,
0: other, yeah.
1: Guys. <laughs> we know happens guys. there. Don't do it.
0: But, I, exactly, exactly. But I am, I'm really shocked that A, I hadn't heard of this before. Me neither. In. And B, like, that many people were entombed and we've never done, and again, I'm not an archaeologist, so I'm sure there's reasons to not do this expensive, huge dig. But why we've only found 18 of those bodies, yeah, eighteen.
1: But that, I mean, this is crazy. It's one of those things where you think you would have heard of this, and you, you were taught in history class, but you exactly. never were. But also, what a crazy place! You, you die and you become part of a mountain. You know what I mean? That's insane. Yeah. That's that's such a crazy place for your
0: body to end up. I mean, additionally, like, they, you know, there was this big hoopla around the town when it first, like, that was two, what, hang on, let me come in, it was two years before it it had just opened? Yeah. So, 90, yeah, just after 1900, 1901, the town officially opened. Like, that's a really short, his, tragic history. Yeah. It's, oh, anyways. Um and
1: lots of unfinished business. Like, if your body was never found, and your family knew what happened to you, but not really, but they never had a body to mourn or anything like that then you're hanging around, trying to find your way out of there, I guess. Because,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like, and if you built your whole life there, I just think, like, what? Yeah, again, such a tragic history. Um, But I'm glad Monty Lewis uh, didn't sell her jewelry. Good for her. Good for sticking to your principles, lady. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so it's, yeah, there's tons of sort of general reportings of, of seeing the ghost. But I just think, like, I'm shocked that there aren't more specific families mentioned in a lot of the the blogs and things like that um because and some of them were terrible like some some people went out for like an early morning walk or couldn't sleep or things so their whole family got wiped out so there was like sole survivor stories oh god
1: Um, yeah yeah
0: and like or like a part of the house that they slept in wasn't wiped away so like there's just like there's yeah there's sort of scattered terrible stories like that um but i'm just again i'm shocked that when i came across this that i i had personally never heard of it so holy smokes Um, and I thought I would commemorate the fact that I have moved to this province with all these terrible stories. Uh, yeah. So Frank now has, it's smaller, but it's the population, um, grew back up. I think it's around 200. So it's kind of like a small hamlet of surrounding areas. Uh, it's got a new memorial plaque. So that's cool. Um, and it's got a Frank slide interpretive center, which opened in the 1980s. Um, and it's a museum and tourist spot where you can, you know look at the different elements of the Frank slide and the history of coal mining. I think, albeit brief history of coal mining, probably. Um, and yeah, it's uh, crackers.
1: <laughs>
0: wow. And that is my story. <laughs> what, a do- what a doozy. It's, that's crazy. It's crazy. I don't ever want to hear about entombed people ever again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I don't think we've done one so far where where a bunch of people died All at once. And now, like, you kind of have one ghost here and there, but yeah, never a mass tragedy with a bunch of ghosts. No, it's
0: true. Yeah, I think that's why I was so shocked that it was just, like, only, the only name that of the ghost that I found was Monty Lewis. When, like, all our stories have typically involved strange love triangles or old grievances or, like, terrible accidents. Yeah, and this was, like, a natural disaster that resulted in, yeah, a lot of scary, scary appearances and probably yeah, traumas. Interesting. So, yeah. There That's me, girl.
1: That's you. Hey, Booze. So this is a bit of a bummer, and I'm really sorry. And I'm also really sorry to Maureen because I we we recorded this story. I don't know if you guys could tell from that first half, but my mic was super not working. It was super broken. I, it was echoey, and I don't know what was going on. Um, and then when I recorded my part, I think I don't know if it was because I was uh, I was the one who was talking more, but I was getting a, a ton of feedback, and I couldn't hear it in my headphones because I was using my headphones to listen to Mo, um, so I couldn't tell. There was it was tons of hiss. It was really bad audio. You could barely hear me, and so. I'm going to have to record this one by myself so that we can get it out to you guys. Um, And I'm really bummed because Maureen was super interested in the story and she had a lot to say. And so I'll try and remember some of the things that she said and throw them in if I can remember. Um, This is just going to be part of the growing pains, I think, while we're... Starting out how to do this podcast long distance, and also because neither of us have money, um, and so buying equipment that works properly <laughs> is not, not on the cards for us right now. <laughs> so, um, hopefully things will get better, um, and we're hopefully going to record another one this week, so we'll try something different, and we'll see if that works better, but for right now, um, I'm going to tell you my story. And so... My story, my bit of business that I mentioned at the beginning, is that this is not a Canadian story. And the reason I'm telling it anyway is because I got to go to this place while I was in Europe, and I had a bit of my own paranormal experience while I was there, so I wanted to talk to you guys about it. Um, and by guys I mean mom. Moms, as per usual. Um, so this is my story, and it's about the Palace of Hollywood House, or Holyrood Palace, uh, which is the official palace and official residence for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And as a note, we use proper titles here for living monarchs. None of that Meghan Markle bullshit. That is Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex to you. Don't get familiar. You don't know her. (laughs) Uh, she earned that title. (laughs) You know, kind of. Anyway, um, So that's, that was stupid. We're going to move on. Yay. This is so fun doing it. Just one person. (laughs) Um, so I took a tour of the palace while I was in Scotland. Um, and it was built in the 12th century. Originally it was an abbey, but it was later expanded, meaning the castle was probably built on the bones of dead people. So that's a good start. Uh, You can still visit the Abbey today, um, which I did, and there's all the tombs there. Um, Not all of them are marked, um, so there's a couple people who might be there who are unnamed, um, but most of them seemed a little bit newer, actually. And by newer, I mean like 1700s, but they did seem newer. Um, But there was also a lovely cat there, and by lovely, I mean he came up to you and bit you. So (laughs) that's good. Um, Hollywood Palace was famously the residence of our dear Mary, Queen of Scots, who, as a Scottish person, I love. She was born in 1542, and she was from the House of Stuart. Her father, James V of Scotland, died just days after she was born, meaning she was technically Queen of Scotland at just six days old. Um which Maureen and I find hilarious because, you know, we're still getting our shit together and she was queen of a country at six days old. Uh, couldn't hold her head up, but that head had to wear a crown. Um, so when this happened, King Henry VIII of England created a treaty with her father that stated that when Mary was 10 years old, she would marry Henry's son, Edward, um, to unite Scotland and England. So that's gross. Uh, yeah. But you know what? I think 10, 10, is a, is a ripe age to get married, I think. Um, this was later rejected by the Scottish Parliament, um, which now, I'm not sure if it was back then, but now it's actually right across the street from Holyrood Palace, uh, the Scottish Parliament. It was important to note, Or is important to note that she was the only living and legitimate child of King James of Scotland, Um, and that comes into play later with all of the um, Elizabeth and Mary drama, which I'm sure you know a little bit about. But she went to France to study while Regents, who are the people who rule the country in the stead of a minor, uh, led Scotland. The French took her in because at the age of three she was promised to. King Henry II's son, the French king, King Henry. Um, So his son was also three years old. Um, He was the Dauphin of France, and his name was, of course, Francis. And um, a bunch of Henrys, I guess, are at this point just fucking her over. They all want to promise her to some dude to unite a bunch of countries, as if that's all women are for. Oh, what a fun time. Um, So... Um, she and Francis, I guess as kids, apparently got along really well. Um, and Henry's wife, Catherine de' Medici, who was of the famous Medici family, uh, from Italy, um, adored Mary and took her under her wing. She was described, Mary was described as vivacious and beautiful and clever. She learned to play the lute and the virginals, which is a kind of harpsichord, Uh, She wrote prose and poetry and rode horses and did falconry and needlework, and she spoke so many different languages. She learned French and Italian and Latin and Spanish and Greek, and she already knew Scots when she got there. Um, So she was, around the age of 16, she ended up marrying Francis at Notre Dame in Paris. And that same year, Elizabeth I became Queen of England, But it was contested because Henry VIII had written the Stuarts, the Stuart family, out of succession in his will and testament, because the Stuarts were a Catholic family and he had become Protestant. Remember how he created that church so that he could get a divorce? It was that. So um, he didn't want Catholics to take over the throne. Um, But Catholics in England believed that Mary was the rightful heir to the English throne instead of Elizabeth, because she was the eldest surviving grandchild of Henry VIII's older sister. Don't bother keeping up with the family tree. (laughs) It's not, it's not important. I find it interesting. Um, so Henry II, um, the King of France, Francis's father, died about a year later after their marriage. Um, he died in a joust, which Maureen and I found hilarious because why the fuck are you letting your king joust? If it's not a war, it wasn't a war. I think it was just a, like a competition, a regular competition. But yeah, he got injuries in a jousting match and he friggin died. So Francis, who is at this point, what, like 17 years old, becomes King Francis II of France, making Mary the queen consort. And I would just like to highlight how crazy this could have all turned out to have a Scottish queen marry a French king to try and unite the two countries. Like, would they govern separately and apart from each other? Or would they both live in the same place, and then one of those countries wouldn't have a monarch on its land, especially because Scotland is part of an island that's not attached in any way, shape, or form to France, would their first child inherit both thrones? Like, if this had gone through and and played out, that would have changed the course of history as we know it. Um, But it didn't happen, which we'll get to. So during this tumultuous time where Henry's becoming dying and Francis is becoming King and all that. There's also, um, uprisings in France and Scotland and also Mary's mother died back home in Scotland. Um, and Mary's devastated and grieving. And during this time, England tried to get Mary to sign a treaty that recognized Elizabeth's right to rule England. Um, basically to take her out of the running of ever trying to take the throne and Mary who, you know, is, uh, you know, upset and just becoming the queen of a, of a country and not being able to go home and all that stuff. She's 17 years old. She's got all this going on and she refuses, um, which I think is kind of badass. But, um, Francis then after all of that for Mary, Francis died that year of an ear infection. That caused an abscess in his brain that exploded, which is the most 1500s way to die that I can think of. Um, but that's so devastating for Mary. I, I, this blows my mind that all of that happened within a couple years for her. Um, so Mary was obviously devastated and she returned to Scotland. Um, she was no longer the queen consort of France. Um, once that got passed on from Francis, um, So she gets back to Scotland. She's grown up away from the political craziness of Scotland. And now she speaks French and she's a Catholic in a country that's becoming more and more Protestant. So the people of Scotland didn't love her at first. Um, the Protestant reformer, John Knox, preached against her across the country. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, there's a movie coming out called Mary Queen of Scots, starring Saoirse Ronan and uh, Margot Robbie, but in this movie, John Knox is played by our very wonderful 10th Doctor, Mr. David Tennant. Um, also, I just want to note that that movie looks completely inaccurate, historically, um, and I'm a little sad, because I think that they might mess it up. But, you know, maybe we'll give it a chance, Maybe. Um, would have been nice if they had cast a Scot in the, uh, role of Mary. But, you know. Um, so this was, you know, John Knox preaching against her was kind of unnecessary. She actually, for the most part, welcomed Protestantism into Scotland, even though she wasn't one. Um, and she quickly fell into her leadership role as queen. Um, but also on the side, Mary quietly started putting together a case for her right to the English throne especially because Elizabeth had no children or husband and had not named an heir yet. Um, Mary also tried to find a new husband, and long story short, that was a shit show. Um, People in her court started promising her to people that she never consented to, which pissed her off. She wanted to marry the heir to the Spanish throne, but he'd been described by his own father, the king of Spain, as mentally unstable. So that wasn't going to work. Elizabeth I offered one of her favorite men from her court to Mary in order to try and control Mary through him and spy on him. But the man rejected it, probably because he was in love with Elizabeth. And a poet fell in love with Mary and twice broke into her room and hid under her bed. (laughs) in the castle. And that's a feat because I've been in that room and it's in the secure castle at the top of the narrowest set of winding stairs and past her private dining room. He would have had to get past a gazillion people and somehow he made it under her bed, which is also terrifying. (laughs) Um, but the second time he was caught, Mary told her guard to kill him with a dagger, which is specific. Uh, but the guard refused because the Pope was already restrained. So instead, Mary tried him for treason, which doesn't make any sense, um, and he was found guilty and he was beheaded. So, um, that, that happened. (laughs) That's so weird. Um... Mary eventually married her first cousin. That was who she eventually landed on. His name was Lord Darnley, and he was a Catholic who came from a super, super Scottish-English royal lineage kind of family at Holyrood Palace. Everybody in his family tree was, at some point, an heir to the throne, essentially. Um, apparently, she loved him at first, saying that it was passion rather than advantage that made her want to marry him. Um, Elizabeth was furious at this marriage, knowing that if they had kids, they would have a good chance of getting the throne. So Mary soon became pregnant, um, and Darnley became a raging dick. Uh, he really let the power go to his head. He wasn't happy as just the king consort. He demanded to be made co-monarch of Scotland so that he could keep the crown should he outlive his wife. Mary refused him, and it put a strain on their marriage. He also, Darnley became wildly jealous of a man named David Rizzio, who was an Italian musician and Mary's private secretary, and he was rumored to be her lover and possibly the father of Mary's unborn baby, though many uh, historians also just think that they really, truly were just good friends. Um, And... Uh, Darnley didn't see it that way. Um, so he plotted with a group of Protestant lords, and on the 9th of March, the men stormed up the stairs to Mary's bedroom and into her private dining room. They interrupted dinner and demanded to take Rizzio. Mary refused and tried to protect him, but the attackers dragged Rizzio into a nearby room, and there they stabbed him 56 times stripped him naked and threw him down the main staircase um, and his blood still stains the wood floor 500 years later. Some believe Darnley did this in front of his pregnant wife and not in secret, so that the baby and Mary would die from the stress um, and he could become king. Um, so Darnley's an asshole, <laughs> but this the plan didn't work. Mary did get really sick, um, after the birth, and she almost died, and some attributed this to stress. Um, and by the way, dying of stress is the most relatable thing about this story. Um, but it didn't work, and their son James was born. Um, the marriage started to really break down, you know, once you watch your husband commit murder. It might uh and mary met with some scottish noblemen at a nearby castle where um they were talking about how how darnley was a young fool and a proud tyrant and he should not reign or bear rule over them um so they decided that they were going to uh put him off and whoever decided to do the deed or whoever they they picked to do the deed um all of them would come to their defense That is apparently what happened at this meeting. So Darnley kind of knows what's going on. Um, Probably safe to assume that after you murder your wife's love that you're probably in trouble. So he feared for his life and he fled to Glasgow. But he fell very ill at the start of his journey. And some attribute this to poisoning. Like maybe they were already trying to kill him. Um, Though others attribute this to syphilis, which I also would not put past him. You know. Um, Mary later prompted him to come back to Edinburgh, um, in order to make up, and once he came back, she visited him every day to reconcile, and you can't see this in my notes, but reconcile is in huge quotation marks because that wasn't what happened. So she visited him one night and left early to attend a wedding, and then in the early hours of the morning, Darnley died. In an explosion that went off right outside his quarters. Um, his body was thrown and it was found later. He was dead in the garden. Um, many believed she and her nobleman friends were involved. Mary and her nobleman friends were involved. Um, and this caused her to lose some popularity with the people and with um, even like the higher ups and some other noblemen. She's just becoming less popular. Um, Mary decided to visit her son one night. She had sent her son, James, away to Stirling Castle to be educated. Um, so she visited him one night, and on her way back, um, one of the same noblemen, uh, who helped her carry out this plot, uh, to kill Lord Darnley, uh, and many people think it was the person who ultimately did do the deed and killed him, um, his name was Lord Bothwell. He ambushed and kidnapped her on her way back from Stirling Castle. Um, he may have also raped her in order to secure their marriage. Um, the law at the time in Britain was that, um, if you had sex with a man, I guess you were bound to marry him. You had to. Um, so that's awful. Um, and so they married shortly after, but... There was also one nobleman who wrote to London, um, I think to Elizabeth, um, to tell her what happened after Bothwell and Mary's wedding. And he said that things may, um, seem forced, but that it wasn't, and that Mary knew what was going on, um, and that they had planned for Bothwell to, you know, take her and kidnap her so that, um, it would look like she was forced to marry him. Um, Bothwell was a Protestant, um, and he was, again, accused of murdering her last husband, and he had only divorced his wife 12 days before he married Mary. So many Scots were very unhappy with this, and they raised an army against Mary and Bothwell, um, and I think that they were going to fight, and then they decided that they weren't going to, and so they had a big public embrace on the battlefield, and then they were separated, and after that they never saw each other again. Bothwell fled to Norway to try and gain support for Mary, where he was later imprisoned, became insane, and died. And the Lords took Mary to Edinburgh, where crowds of spectators denounced her as an adulteress and a murderer, she was imprisoned, and during this imprisonment, she miscarried twins. She was also forced to abdicate the throne, leaving it to her one-year-old son, James. So, yeah, this all happened in one year. It's been one year since she gave birth to James. Um, This timeline is so crazy. So, Mary escaped prison and fled to England to ask Elizabeth to help her regain the throne, Ah, uh, the Scottish throne. Um, but Elizabeth didn't ever meet Mary. The two never met, which is my main problem with this Mary, Queen of Scots movie. Elizabeth and Mary never met each other in real life. Um, instead of helping Mary get the Scottish throne back, Elizabeth conducted an inquiry into Mary's involvement in her husband's murder. Um, the verdict was not proven, and Mary remained in custody. Um, and then during which time, her half-brother, who was a regent for James, because James is now the King of Scotland, um, he was assassinated by a supporter of Mary who wanted to see her back on the throne. And a uh, fun fact, that was the first recorded assassination with a firearm in history. Um, at the same time, Scottish the Scotland saw a Catholic uprising, Um, and so all of this convinced Elizabeth that Mary was a threat, that people were willing to kill to put her back on the throne, and that, um, there was a Catholic uprising over the Protestants. Um, so a bunch of political bullshit went down. It's a lot to get into. But eventually, Mary really just wanted to get out of prison. I mean, her prisons were okay. They were, like, cottages and stuff. She wasn't in a cage, but, um... It wasn't nice, and she wanted to go home and see her son. So Mary offered to return to Scotland, give up the Scottish throne, renounce any claim to the English throne, and form an anti-France offensive to show her support for England, and also retire. Her only demand was that she be released to go back to Scotland. Um, But in a twist, her son, James who was, I guess, old enough at this point to make a call like this. I assume he's probably still a child, or at least very young. Her son turned on her and signed an allegiance with Elizabeth, uh, virtually abandoning his mother. Um, So Mary is pissed and devastated, and she doesn't know how she's going to get out of prison. So at this point, she is presented by her, from her supporters, she's presented with a plan called the Babington Plot. Um, And the plot was that those loyal to her would travel to Spain, which was a Catholic country, and convince them to invade England, execute Queen Elizabeth, and put Mary on the English throne. Mary consented to this plan and ended the letter with, let the great plot commence, signed Mary. Unfortunately for Mary, these letters were intercepted and led to Mary's trial for treason. Um, she defended herself to the nines. She um, was denied the opportunity to review the evidence, the letters. She was denied access to legal counsel. And as a foreign anointed queen, she made the argument that she had never been an English subject and therefore could not be convicted of treason. Um, but despite all of this, she was convicted and she was in prison for another couple months. And then she was only given a day's notice of her execution. Um, in her final hours, she prayed, she wrote her will, and she wrote a letter to the King of France. Um... Her executioner's name was Bull, which is, like, like the most perfect name for an executioner, I think, other than, like, Axe. I don't know. And uh, he asked her for her forgiveness. I thought this was interesting that that was customary of the time, that the executioner would ask for the forgiveness of the person that they were executing. Um, She willingly gave it to him. Um, And Bull returned the, uh, the favor by missing her fucking neck, and he hit her in the back of the head, and it didn't kill her. Um, so it took three, three swings to behead her, which is horrifying. Um, Mary had asked to be buried in Scotland, but Elizabeth gave her a Protestant funeral and buried her in England, and then when Mary's son, um, who became James... The sixth of Scotland, and later became James the first of England after um, Elizabeth's death. Um, when he became king, he had her reinterred in Westminster Abbey. I suppose to have her close by. I don't really know. Westminster Abbey in London, so I don't know why that makes sense. But um, that's what he did. Um, so that is the the life and death of Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay, so now with all the uh, history out of the way, let's bring in some ghosts, because that's what this podcast is for, right? Um, So I went to Hollywood Palace, and I saw the bloodstain. It is still there. Um, We were walking around, and we were listening to the audio guide, and the audio guide talked about the murder, but didn't really explain... Like, where it happened or how, you know, it, it was a little loosey-goosey on the details. And I get it. It's sort of an unsavory part of the royal family's history. Um, they probably don't want to get into all the gory details on their audio guide. Um, but we were a little confused. But anyway, we left the room where we thought the murder happened. Um, and we walked into the next room. And uh, we didn't see the bloodstain. uh and we were looking at some other stuff in the room. They have a lock of Mary's hair in there that's bone white. They have a bed in there, um, a bunch of different paintings. And my sister turned to me and said, we got to get out of this room. And I said, what do you mean? And she showed me her arm, and her arm, like all of her hair was standing up on end, and she had goosebumps. And she said to me that it felt like someone was squeezing her arm, but it felt like when you're getting a your blood pressure done and it's just really uncomfortably tight. Um and she was really freaked out and she wanted to go. And I said, No no no, like we're almost on the tour. This is really cool. Let's just stay. Um and I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask about Rizio. So we went up to one of the tour guides and we said, sorry, in the last room, we kind of missed a lot of the story about Ritzio. Could you tell us what happened? And so she took us back into that room and told us what happened and then told us that Ritzio was actually dragged through that room and he had been murdered in the next room, which is the room where Brahman had that weird reaction with her arm. And then she took us to one of the kind of corners of the room by the window and that's when she pointed down at the blood stain. And... I don't know how we missed it the first time because it's, it's massive. It's like, a, like a, probably a meter long and like at least a foot or so wide. Let's just mix Imperial and metric there. But you know what I mean? It's, and it's reddish brown on like a really light wood floor. It's, it's hard to miss. And there's a plaque above it that says this is the spot where Rizzio was murdered or something like that. So not really sure how we missed it, but um, yeah, so that was our little paranormal experience about it. Also, it was really weird because we were standing on top of this pile of blood. Well, it's not, it's not pile of blood, it's stained blood. Um, and we were just sort of shocked by the fact that it's, it's still there and they hadn't like replaced the wood or like stained it or cleaned it or something. And then the guide was asking us about Tessa and Scott, the ice dancers from Canada, because she knew we were from Canada. She was just convinced that they were dating, um, which was kind of a weird thing to talk about while you're standing on top of um, where someone was murdered. But to the question of why they haven't replaced the floorboards, I did some Googling, and take this with a grain of salt, because it's from a blogger from Bump in the Night blog, but um, they wrote that when they visited, they asked the tour guide about it, and the tour guide told them that the wooden floorboards had been replaced a few times but that the bloodstains kept coming back. Um, Which is creepy. Um, The guide also told them that the no-nonsense palace guards who watch the palace day and night have seen figures walking around in the night when there was supposed to be no one else in the palace, and they believe it's the ghost of Rizzio. Another website called Haunted Realms claims that Darnley's guilt-ridden ghost has allegedly been witnessed wandering around the grounds of Holyrood, undoubtedly tormented by the terrible deed he committed at that palace. Um, Mary is also said to wander the halls and rooms, but more often she appears at Stirling Castle, where she sent her son to be raised. Um, so clearly there's some unfinished business there because they didn't she died, and they were not on the best of terms. Also, apparently, when she's at that castle, she her ghost appears headless, which Maureen found particularly gross, and so do I. Um, but not all of the ghosts at Hollywood Palace are of noble blood. Um, there was a woman from the 16th century. Um, they call the phantom of her who roams the palace Bald Agnes. Um, And she is believed to be Agnes Sampson, who was executed for witchcraft in 1591, known as the wise wife of Keith. She was implicated in the North Berwick Witch Trials, um, an infamous episode uh, which saw many local people of various rank indicted under suspicion of using sorcery um, to cause harm to James VI, um, which is Mary's son. One of the charges that was leveled against her was that she used witchcraft to conjure up storms to drown or sink the king's ships, um, which would make her particularly powerful, I guess. <laughs> but I don't think that that's true. I think that she was probably just a weird woman that people wanted to take out their misogyny on. Mm, it's so fun. Um And so Agnes was taken to Holyrood Palace, and she was stripped naked and shaved before being interrogated in the presence of King James himself. Um, Eventually, she was taken to Edinburgh Castle, which is at the other end of the Royal Mile, which is a mile-long road that links Holyrood Palace to Edinburgh Castle. Um, And there she was garroted and burned at the stake on Castle Hill. Um, but her naked ghost is said to still wander the grounds at Hollywood Palace. Um, so yeah, that is the tale of the hauntings at Holyrood. Um, I hope you were spooked and I hope that the upcoming movie on Mary, Queen of Scots is not bullshit. Um, so thanks, booze. Sorry for the, uh terribly awkward format here we will fix that this week love you our
0: great theme song is Ghost Baby by the Crips yes that's Crips like Crip Keeper and not like the gang
1: if you'd like to contact us send us an email at heyboopodcast at gmail.com